Hello, everyone. We appreciate you joining us once again for Pro Bono Institute's Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm David Lipscomb, Director of Strategic Communications for PBI. The Pro Bono Happy Hour is our new series of podcasts in which we highlight law firm pro bono challenge signatories and law firm pro bono project members. This week, we called Julie Laise, firm-wide director of pro bono legal services at Kirkland & Ellis. Julie discussed the pro bono culture in Chicago, where she is based, getting the firm's formal pro bono program off the ground, a new pro bono project the firm is taking on, and a recent victory for low-income tenants in Los Angeles. We hope you're comfortable wherever you may be, whether that's mid-commute, on your lunch break, or simply working at your desk, and we hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Julie. Thanks for joining us on the Pro Bono Happy Hour. Uh, We just want to jump right into it. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and the uh, Pro Bono program at Kirkland & Ellis. I have been at the firm since uh, the beginning of 2007. I joined the firm in a different capacity. I was uh, hired to lead the uh, attorney training and development department in our Chicago office. And as I uh, was in that function, I began working uh, with the pro bono uh, partner for our Chicago office uh, on developing the pro bono program in Chicago because I saw that there was a real tie-in between professional development and pro bono, and there was no kind of formal pro bono structure in place at that time. Uh, Around that time, the firm had instituted its first formal uh, pro bono committee across the firm, and we're... um, also looking for somebody to support the pro bono committee in a full-time capacity. And so I stepped into that role in uh, mid-2008. Great. What, what was attractive about that role to you? Oh, so many things. Uh, I, you know, first and foremost, I think the opportunity to harness the resources of a large firm to um, – do some do some real good in the community and across the country um, because uh, the firm was really instituting a formalized pro bono program uh, for the first time. It was the opportunity to really build something um, and so the opportunity to really be an entrepreneur and to essentially create something brand new uh, was very attractive. Uh, the and then the opportunity to work with uh, partners at the firm who were very passionate and very excited about building this pro bono program and getting our attorneys involved um, was very exciting and 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 building up the enthusiasm about the program and and getting people uh, engaged in it was um, was was a lot of fun. Right. A uh, lot of fun. Glad to hear that. I imagine it could have been challenging as well. What What are some of the challenges that you face when you are starting a, a formal program from scratch and you are trying to drum up that interest? Maybe it's already there. Um, maybe it's not. But what are some of the things that other folks who might be doing the same thing, um, which, which should they look out for and, and how do they deal with those kinds of challenges? From a logistics angle, the first challenge I faced was I was essentially a one-person department, and the enormity of of setting up a program um, essentially on my own um, at the time without um, additional staff, uh, just the volume of what I had to take care of was 
um, was pretty daunting. Um, so I would, for anybody who's looking to start a program like this, to to get the support of anybody who's willing to help out, even if it's you know on a on a part time basis or or just wants to chip in and help out, really bring other people in and and get as much support as you can. And then it, it, it's a culture change. Uh, it was a it, while Kirkland has always done pro bono. Um, this was uh, a kind of a, a, a new kind of formalized structure around pro bono and um, a new kind of encouragement um, for for everyone to get involved and really to um, put in significant time around pro bono. And so that, fortunately, we had the um, the encouragement and the support from the very top of the firm. And I'd say for anybody who is starting a pro bono program, that is critical. Um, that was that is and remains key to the success of our program is that we have the support of the very top of the firm. Um, and uh, so so if you're starting a program, you really have to get those the, the senior leadership engaged and and behind the program. Well, that's great. I mean, I think we've heard that time and time again that that top down um, buy-in is is crucial. To getting those these uh, programs off the ground and keeping them sustainable, um, it sounds like you're no longer a one-person department. So tell us about the pro bono leadership team. Who's on it? How is it organized? And how do you divide responsibilities? We have a committee comprised of uh, attorneys, partners across the firm, who uh, uh, who uh, take on the leadership of the pro bono program across the firm. Um, and but these are attorneys who have full-time commercial practices, so they uh, are essentially the cheerleaders for pro bono in their offices and uh, help us to make the important decisions around the pro bono program. Supporting the committee and doing the day-to-day work um, uh, of, of carrying on and managing the pro bono program are myself. I am the director of the program across the firm, both domestically and inter- internationally. I have uh, three uh, full-time staff people, um, a a specialist who sits in our New York office and a specialist who sits in our Chicago office, both of whom are licensed attorneys. Um, They focus specifically on the New York and Chicago offices, respectively. Um, They are our two largest offices. Um, I also have a uh, a coordinator who um, supports me and uh, the rest of the program administratively, and um, I also have somebody who uh, helps out on a on a part time basis in addition to other duties in our Bay Area. So our our, our staff support has grown uh, enormously over time, and it's been it's made a, a huge difference to my life and to the to the uh, success of our pro bono program. Right, I, I imagine it's a lot uh, lots a lot easier when you have that support and that help, and folks that are really engaged in it. How do you deal with um, having your leadership team? Uh, be across several different offices. I mean, I think technology helps a lot now, you know, um, email, video conferencing, you can do all these sorts of things. But um, how do you keep things organized when you do have people that are in different offices that are across the country? And, you know, again, many of them may have, you know, their full practices that they have to deal with. And um, how do you make sure that things uh, stay together and stay organized? It's a challenge. uh, And I think you have to understand that 
things are going to be tailored to one specific office. Um, you know, there may be a need to uh, uh, modify something to a particular office based on that office's culture. Um, but for the, we have regular meetings among the committee. Um, we also have partners who are in uh, in charge of that particular office's pro bono program, uh, and we have monthly calls with those partners, um, so they uh, stay uh, apprised of issues and um, and so that we can ensure consistency across all of our offices. And then I have regular calls with all of my staff to keep apprised of issues, and so we can ensure consistency as well. Now, speaking about culture. Um, let's zero in a little bit on Chicago. I think you're you're our first um, interviewee from Chicago. Uh, we've heard great things about the Midwest. We always hear about Minnesota and Minneapolis, um, and and uh, you know how involved they are in pro bono, and and there seems to be a very strong community there. What's the culture like in Chicago specifically uh, around pro bono? I've seen it to be a very it's a very collaborative culture. Um, it seems to me that the legal aid organizations and the law firms really work together well to come together to address issues. Uh, the law firms, uh, my my colleagues across the city um, meet regularly, um, support each other, answer each other's questions, help each other out. Um, we all, you know, we, we see each other very, very often um, at various events. Um, I would say that uh, you know we, we we strongly support the many different legal aid organizations in the city, and a lot of that is also due to a very strong and uh, vibrant and uh, helpful uh, bar foundation. The Chicago Bar Foundation is very innovative. They do um, a wonderful job being strategic, being innovative. Um, and being a leader in the Chicago pro bono community. Let's switch gears a little bit here, and we want to talk about the uh, Jeremiah Circle of Friends, uh, which I believe is a project that Kirkland got off the ground. Can you just give us some background on what that uh, what that is and how Kirkland got involved and how it grew? Sure. Back in, I believe it was 2010 or 2011, one of the um, secretaries of the of the then chair of our pro bono committee uh, came to approached him and said that her church, Friendship Baptist Church, uh, the pastor of the church was talking about the need for legal services in that quadrant of D.C. It's, it's um, the Jeremiah Circle of Friends is a legal clinic that's located in the southwest quadrant of D.C. Uh, the the pastor of Friendship Baptist, Baptist Church really wanted to to set up a um, a clinic there because there was no uh, legal services there at the time, um, and so the secretary approached the chair of our committee, and he started looking into it, thinking about it, talked to the pastor of the church. We reached out to the Legal Legal Aid Society of D.C., um, and together we all collaborated to open up a clinic called Jeremiah Circle of Friends, providing the the first-ever legal aid service clinic uh, in the southwest quadrant of D.C. Um, Since that time, we've... um, We've arranged with the Legal Aid Society of D.C. to essentially take over the management of the clinic. We provide all the financial support for the clinic, and then and we also our, our attorneys exclusively staff the clinic. Um, 
so um, it, so it's it's really a, a marvelous undertaking. We've never uh, we've never opened or staffed or, or founded a clinic before, um, but it you know and it took a lot of hard work and but it was really a, a, a tremendous undertaking and it's been it's been really successful thus far. Um, our our uh, attorneys have devoted a, a very large number of hours and the firm has devoted a large amount of money to the clinic to ensure that it's, it, it stays successful. What about any other projects that you all may be working on or any recent victories that you might want to discuss? There is a, um, a, a relatively small project that we're, we're pretty excited about. Um, we just started in Chicago with an organization that's not actually worked pro bono with any law firms before, which is why I think it's particularly exciting. It's the uh, an organization called the Center for Law and Social Work, and we're going to be helping them with uh, uncontested adoptions, um, the situations where family members are adopting uh, children. Um, we're going to be we've we've conducted a training um, that the Center for Law and Social Work has put together, and we um, have uh, this week we're going to be taking on six cases, assisting families with adoptions. And um, you know what's really exciting is I think this is the first time that the center is going to be working with a law firm pro bono, and so it's exciting to to help them expand their capacity. Uh, and to help them develop their pro bono program, and it's also really exciting to see how enthusiastic our own attorneys are. They, we had an enormous amount of interest in this project, and uh, the the cases that we um, we brought in were immediately taken, and, and people were very excited about working on it. So that is something we're looking forward to expanding in the future. And in terms of victories. Well, the case that we are are really proud of this year for its impact on low-income folks is a settlement we reached in April of this year, uh, along with the Inner City Law Center in Los Angeles, uh, on behalf of more than 100 low-income tenants who filed a negligence lawsuit against their landlord. The plaintiffs received over $2 million in addition to other money as part of that settlement. That was reached uh, four days into a jury trial in Los Angeles Superior Court. Um, these were tenants, most of whom were non-English speaking, many of whom were elderly individuals and children, were enduring dangerous living conditions, fire safety violations, mold and sewage problems, uh, uh, injuries, faulty sanitation, um, and serious mouse and cockroach infestations. Um, the building had been cited by the health department and housing and community investment departments for um, for various failures, and the tenants had complained uh, to the to the uh, uh, to the landlords, um, but their grievances were ignored. And so finally, uh, uh, the inner city law center uh, and Kirkland and Ellis uh, brought suit, and uh, and then were able to reach a settlement for the plaintiffs. Uh, and so that was a uh, a really um, significant victory for these individuals, and we're, we're, we were re- very, very proud of that result for them. Certainly. Um, not to jump around too much, um, but, you know, this is, this is, you know, related, I think, to both the adoption 
um, project, as well as the one that you just mentioned, um, how do you find or select the types of projects that you're that you want to take on? Um, does that come from your attorneys? Does it come from the, the pro bono leadership committee? Is it um, is it intertwined with the firm's mission? What do you? Uh, what's the process for? deciding what kinds of projects you want to get involved in? As far as finding projects, it's really a variety. Uh, this That particular organization was introduced to us by um, one of the attorneys at the firm who had a connection with the organization. Um, many of our projects that come in come into us because we have enterprising attorneys who um, have a connection with an organization and just want to make an introduction to the firm. Um, Sometimes um, the pro bono staff or the pro bono leadership of the firm, find, you know, hear of good projects. Um, so it really comes from a variety of, of sources. Kirk, Kirkland's uh, culture is one that's very entrepreneurial. So we do, do we, we do have a number of attorneys who tend to bring in their own projects or, or like to start projects themselves. Um, what we look for in projects and what we looked, what we consider when we start working with an organization is whether can that organization uh, provide good support to our attorneys, particularly if we are engaging in an area of law that we are not familiar with? Um, we're gonna, our attorneys are undoubtedly going to have questions. And does that organization have the capacity to um, answer questions, kind of do a little hand-holding so that our attorneys feel comfortable taking on a new type of matter? Um, uh, can the can the uh, organization provide good training? Do they have the capacity? Do they have the staff to provide good training? Are they going to? Um, can they screen uh, pro bono clients uh, sufficiently so that what we're taking on, uh, we know that that's an appropriate pro bono client for us? Um, is it, is it going to be uh, a matter that? people are going to be excited about. Um, the adoption project in particular, we we thought that this would it would be something that people would feel really good about helping. Uh, and it, and, and the, the organization, particularly because it was, they had never worked with a law firm before, we were really excited to, to help them expand and start their pro bono program. Um, and then finally, is it the type of project that could be done by um, any type of lawyer, or could it be only be done by a litigator versus a transactional lawyer? We have about a 50-50 split between transactional lawyers versus litigators in our offices, and so we always look for projects where we can get both our transactional and our litigation attorneys working on them together. And we thought that this project would be one where they could team up and both have uh, both types of lawyers could participate meaningfully. And I, I imagine, you know, your attorneys appreciate the attention to um, ensuring that everyone can participate, obviously. Um, let me ask sort of lastly here, you know, if you never had to uh, eat or sleep ever again and you could just do pro bono all day long, what kinds of things do you think you would take on that maybe perhaps now you don't have the capacity to take on or uh, maybe the resources aren't quite there? Is there anything in particular that you wish you could maybe dive into a little bit more, either individually and as a firm? My staff and I, although we are licensed attorneys, we don't uh, currently practice. Um, we don't, you know, when we, none of us really have a very much time to, to take on pro bono matters ourselves. So I think we all, you know, you know, given unlimited time, would love to have, to be able to take on um, 
any number of pro bono cases ourselves and really develop some subject matter expertise in a number of areas. Um, I would certainly love to uh, – our, our, our international offices, pro bono programs are expanding, and we are uh, focusing uh, quite a bit on, on building those pro bono programs. And so uh, I spend – as much time as I can on on building those pro bono programs, and so if I had more time, I would spend more time looking for interesting projects and building interesting projects for those offices. Perhaps traveling to those jurisdictions to see if I could even create projects that would be useful in those jurisdictions and helpful for people there, and also would be of interest and uh, exciting to the lawyers in our international offices, but. Sadly, have to sleep, have to eat, <laughs> have to have a life. Right. I think we all feel the same way. You know, if we had a, had the infinite capacity, you know, we would do it all. Um, we're we're certainly happy to hear uh, about about your victories, and obviously, the, we wish you well with the adoption project going forward. Um, Julie, I really want to thank you for giving your time today and sharing your insight. Um, we will have to follow up with you at some point to see how things are going. But um, again, thanks for joining us and giving us your time. My pleasure. You just heard my interview with Julie Laise of Kirkland & Ellis. We thank Julie for spending some time with us and sharing her insight. To listen to more podcasts in this series or learn about additional pro bono resources, visit www.probonoinst.org podcast. If you're interested in having your firm featured on the Pro Bono Happy Hour, please email us at probono at probonoinst.org. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you back here next week on the Pro Bono Happy Hour.